Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. I tested it uh, earlier before starting to go live, so <laughs> I apologize last week for the uh, volume kerfuffles. Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of words, recorder of videos, and at tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Monday edition, the Dark Late edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only livestream, Crafting Icewind Dale, in which I build, write, and prepare for our next session of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. If you are playing characters of all Robin, Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or Thimbleweed, abandon all hope. If you have entered here, don't enter here. For the rest of you, uh, welcome. There will be many, many spoilers. We stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday evening. You can watch all of our D&D live series, as well as reviews on my YouTube channel, and read weekly session recaps at roguewatson.com. You can follow me on Twitter at roguewatson and join our official Discord server with invite link into the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use roll20.net. For streaming, I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. Howdy, hello to Jay and Nick. Ranger 1, Lumpy Spuds, music volume was good. Good to hear it. I always like to screw things up only for our big D&D show, and then everything else is... Uh, for practice. <laughs> what the fuck are we gonna do? <laughs> I have... Oh my goodness. Things have happened in Sunblight. Um, things that I'm very excited and very nervous about. Because <laughs> my dumbass players actually listened to me when I, uh, playfully suggested that they split the party after having essentially won this battle at the forge. Yes, it was a little dis I could have run Zardarok a little better. Uh, I could have included a few more Dwerger, but honestly, they're hurting so much. I, I The biggest disappointment was the Quaggas, to be frank. They were just terrible. Just The dice did not go with me very well on that. But I thought narratively it worked out very good. The things that happened in the story that needed to happen did happen, um, and I thought it was pretty satisfying from that viewpoint. But and we've created an interesting dilemma where even though the uh, this particular battle is won, the war is far from over because Zardarok did able to escape. Although, folks, I was shocked by how much damage he took in just like a round and a half or whatever it was. Like, good God, an enlarged Celeste and Frey just going ham on him. My God, like it was terrible. I mean, you all, you know, the fun thing is you all can see me in real time, you know, ticking down the hit points and the panic on my face and trying to hide it. But like, dude had 100 hit points to start with and he legit is down to 20 right now. <laughs> like he is fucking in bad shape. 
But the players aren't exactly looking great either. You know, they don't even have time for a short rest right now. I'm really, I'm really putting their feet to the fire in terms of their timing. And the cool thing is, because the dragon took off, and I'm kind of dangling the carrot of like, hey, you know, you all should probably try and stop this thing. Uh, and the fact that their boss, the not their boss, the boss of the Dwerger just escaped, that puts a lot of uh, time pressure on the players, in which I usually don't play around with too much in D&D, because I prefer the way that the balance system works. I feel like you need to have your players rest once in a while, but this is an interesting dilemma where we've gotten to a certain point where I don't even know if they can rest without clearing this dungeon, and even when they do, or at least you know clear the dungeon i mean they've kind of won the day but it's very much uh rests on edmund being able to stay disguised as dearth so it depends on how many spell slots although if they do long rest then i guess he technically gets those back as long as he you know isn't disturbed and he can just cast it again the next day but the bigger thing is hey this dragon is going to go fuck up 10 towns you know they can't really stay here and rest for too long but what we need to talk about tonight is the fact that the players are actually splitting the party three ways to deal with three different areas. And this is a very unique situation as a DM where suddenly I have to have multiple moving pieces in a dungeon, have the players interact with all of them, somehow have all of them try to take up about the same slice of time um, and, and be able to highlight each player's adventures and have everybody have an appropriate challenge that is suddenly kind of needs to be scaled for the fact that there's way fewer party members at any of these locations. Obviously, my biggest concern is Edmund uh, walking into the goddamn throne room. That's the one we need to like literally rebalance or he is going to get slaughtered. Um, I guess let's look at this one at a time and hopefully we can cover all three in terms of how the hell do I prep all this? So we've got Valravin and Thimble. So I, I did play around a little bit with Valravin's suggestion spell. And I mentioned a lot of this in, in the Frostside chat. So do please um, watch those for a lot of my, you know, post episode thoughts. But I just thought narratively it was better and it was more interesting to give him that more information. And then the fact that he ran with it, he's like, Oh yeah, we do need to go up there and, and change it. And, He's got somebody who's not really mind control, doesn't really follow his orders, but does follow the most recent directive. I kind of treated that as almost like a programming thing where this robot Dwerger was given a directive of like, hey, you need to stop the dragon. So it's going to do everything it can to try to stop that dragon, but it's not necessarily going to follow orders or, you know, just be able to be commanded at the whim of Valravin. So I'm going to try to make sure not to give him too much, although I do think suggestions are a fun spell, and I thought he used it in a really, really fun way, and I do want to reward uh, players that do that. That was also, by the way, I believe the very clutch, um, unsettling words usage that Valravin got off because I rolled a nat 20 on the wisdom save, but he had a really high unsettling rolls check that actually forced the fail. So that was very, very cool. So Valravin, this enlarged Dwerger, who is, again, not mind controlled by Valravin, but following him, uh, are heading up presumably this elevator and then going up to the third floor. So what's interesting there is Re uh, Edmund has been up to the third floor, waltzed all the way around there, grabbed that 
um, magic, which the poor bastard hasn't been able to short rest yet, because I put together this really cool fucking, like, Mega Man-esque you know, arm. I really like designing um, specific magic items for my players. I think that's just a really fun thing to, like, you know, make it so they're custom. That's kind of made for them, almost. Um, to where when a group finds the item, there's, like, no question who it's, you know, who should use it. And that is definitely the item for him, and unfortunately, they just haven't even short rested since he grabbed it. Um, but none of the other players have been up there, and so there has not been any fights up there. So it still has the normal level of Dwerger. So right now, you know, what we should do is prep everybody's tokens too. There's only one Dwerger up here at the moment, and it's a little questionable about how well, like, the other um, Dwerger know about the the threat that's ongoing and you know my players are are responding immediately they're not resting after this fight they're not you know the the, the battle has ended Zardarok retreated I don't know if there's a somehow the roof guys got alerted to the fact that okay the dragon's gonna take off we're opening this hatch so I think that's it's in the process of being opened so maybe I would make the players have to close it maybe they have to close both halves then which could be tricky because um there's only one dwarf so actually when they go up to the eastern Elevator, there's only one Dwerger up here. They can just fight that Dwerger, but then they have to realize you've got a whole nother half that you've got to close. Um, so I guess they could quickly fight that Dwerger. Maybe they could use some other spell. I don't know. I guess um, uh, Paul Robin can't use the gesture on more than one. Dwerger's enlarge. Only lasts a minute like the growth potion. Yeah. That should still be in effect, because again, they just... They're just acting right after that fight, so I think the Alarge is going to last. Um, but the tricky thing is if I make them actually close both doors to go around to both ends, because you can see the gears are on both sides, then you've got a pretty damn tricky common encounter for two PCs and one NPC who's probably not going to actually help them in battle. She'll just help, like, stop the gears. Um, you know, potentially four Dwergers and two Dwerger Hammerers, that's going to be real fucking nasty. Now, it may be a thing where they just try to hold on for as long as they can and then have to retreat. I think that would be a pretty compelling, cool thing to do. Uh, maybe Thimbleweed could throw, like, a fog cloud down or do something to help slow people down. Because I just don't see them winning this fight, frankly. Oh, yeah, Thimbleweed's got plenty of spells. He could throw down a web. He could throw down a tangle, a fog cloud. He's got all kinds of debilitating things. But that would be pretty fascinating. I don't think Edmund has relayed the information about what all's up there to the rest of the party. By the way, the rest of the party's really bad about doing that, I feel like, to each other. Um, just like sharing that kind of information. <laughs> I don't even think Edmund knows about these hammers, though. Those are. I'm not even sure what this is on the map. This is like a closet or something they just store these dudes in. It doesn't make a note of what these are. So I missed that. Let's see. Not even. Why do I not have it open? On Eric X fourteen is no X thirteen. Meanwhile, two Dwerger hammerers lurk in small chambers to the west. After all their creatures in the room have taken an action, roll initiative for the hammerers. On their first turn, the hammerers emerge from their rooms and join the fray on the side of the Dwerger. So I guess they're delayed by a turn, but they come in through these weird ass little closets. Close that door again. That is one thing. I could delay Dwerger's turn, so they are coming in waves. But still, just Volravin and Thimbleweed at maybe half health trying to take on this mini Dwerger is going to be pretty crazy. Um, 
I didn't know. Oh, and, ooh, that's a good one. Entangle. Yeah, it looks like bathrooms. <laughs> they never have bathrooms in these, do they? It's people just piss off the side, I guess. Allow entangle or web on the gears. That's pretty clever. I would. Uh, I yeah, I can maybe see that happening. The problem is if you have to manually um, open or shut them first. So if they're already in the open position, you would still have to shut them, and then you could web or entangle them, and that might help. You could also just try to cast web on top of the uh, opening and say fuck the gears. I don't. Can you players actually see that? No, they can't. Okay. I could describe it. Um, it depends if web works like fucking Spider-Man web or not. If like how strong is it? But I, yeah, I you know it's interesting because if it's like a social check, I'm like oh, I don't know. But if some if a player's actually um, spending a resource like a spell slot, then I'm I'm more receptive to allowing things like that to to work. Webs are difficult terrain and lightly obscure the area. The webs aren't anchored between two solid masses or laid across the floor. What is the tensile strength of a web? It's flammable. Strength check is against your spell. Okay, it's against your spell save DC. So technically you could roll. The web is actually as strong as your damn um, spellcasting ability is. That's good to know. So that would be a kind of a clever move. He says, well, we can't get to the other gear room. I'm just going to cast web on the top of these things, try to slow the dragon down. I could have the dragon just make a strength check to see if it slows down a bit. And, you know, here's the weird thing. What does slowing the dragon do exactly? I haven't the foggiest idea. But narratively, I'm going to try to make it cool and interesting and, and worth it for the players. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to keep this nebulous um, timing in my head about, okay, did they... Did they do something that seemed to to be a successful way of slowing down the dragon, or didn't they? Um, and, you know, is there a strength check involved, or isn't there? You know, something to where I just want to make it so that if they're successful in this little journey, even if they're only partially successful, maybe that slows the dragon down a little bit further than what I would normally have it do. So I want to try to give them a little bit of reward for that, but I'll tell you right now, I do not have a specific, like... You know, if if you don't slow the dragon down, then this town is destroyed. And if you slow it down this much, then this town is destroyed. I don't, I don't, I didn't break it down exactly like that. And we'll have to figure that out once we get to chapter four. <laughs> but I will say, if they act immediately, you can play around a little bit with the fact that you know, logically, there's no way we have to use movie pacing. Because right now, mechanically, there's zero way they could slow this dragon. Because it, it, it has a 90 foot, 90 feet fly speed. So it flies 90 feet in a turn, which is what, six seconds? And a player's move 30 feet. I. <laughs> so they're just hustling up this elevator. How fucking slow. You know, by the time they even reach the third floor, that dragon's long fucking gone, right? That's the whole. That's, that's the realistic part of it. Well, that's not very fun or cinematically interesting. So instead, you use movie-level pacing, which is, you know, it's always the bomb starts at two seconds and people are, you know, running from the explosion. It, you know, it just that makes it fun and interesting. So um, in terms of where the dragon is, you know, when they make it up here, they will hear it, you know, going up the chimney. It, it's So there, there's going to be a kind of a little bit of a grace period, I guess, with the dragon taking the scenic route up this 200-foot vertical shaft that would normally clear in literally like 12 seconds or whatever it is. 
We can slow it down as much as they want, but in the end, the dragon shoots its beam to blast the dwarves and flies off. Yes, so Lumpy, that is the... The point is, and I, and I teased this with the suggested dwarven forewoman that she said... You know, the blast doors will not stop it, but it will slow it down. So I really tried to temper my players' expectations by saying, um, this is not a hard stop, but, you know, this thing is powerful. It'll rip through these blast doors, but it could slow it down enough to where it has to stop. And yeah, use its radiant breath and kind of claw and tear it open like, you know, freaking can of oysters or something. Um, and And hopefully that would be significant enough to where... Okay, now that basically, if they do everything the best way possible, then that dragon will have to sit there and I'll make it so it has to sit there for a while and open the doors. And then the top team can maybe even go down and join, you know, one of the other teams. Um, if they're only partially successful, then they'll probably watch the dragon, you know, and maybe you can even fuck the dragon up a little bit. Maybe it, it, it gets damaged by having to break open the doors. That could be another thing that I think of. So I'm basically just going to have to keep a note of what the party does and how effective I deem it to be, and, you know, and from there, that's going to have an effect on Chapter 4, basically. Yeah, just what you were saying, Nick. Gate doors hinder the dragon, busting up a wind, causing, busting up a wing, causing it to fly slower. That's perfect, yeah. Some kind of debilitation, if they do things right, which I'm kind of leaving it up to them. The easiest thing is, I don't know, there's, a, there's just a fucking lever somewhere you pull. What, I don't, does it even mention how these things are operated? X-13 or X-15. Uh, oh, yeah. Dwarger stands in front of a double door in the north wall, and another is in the southeast corner next to a lever that juts out of the east wall. So they're just levers. So you can just pull a lever, and that opens or closes the door. So literally, you have to um, just defeat these Dwerger, which I don't... Maybe the players can do something clever about them. I mean, the Dwarg are going to turn hostile as soon as they see Valravin and Thimbleweed, so I don't know what they can do. And Thantara isn't interested in in convincing the others. She's just going to try to stop it by, like, lowering the lever, and the other Dwarg like, what the fuck are you doing? We're supposed to open them. So, I don't want to just... I don't want to have the fact that Thantara is suggested by Thimbleweed be, like, their instant win. Like, all they have to do is escort her around. Like, that's... It's not going to be that easy. So, they're going to have to probably fight these Dwerger. Um, or the other Dwarger will, like, you know, tell her to back off, and when she doesn't, they realize something's wrong with her, and then, you know, something goes from there. But that's, it's probably going to be fighting for them. Now, this one's already a little bit balanced, because, like I said, you could have them appear in waves, you could even have them just hold off as, as long as they can, and, you know, just, uh, especially if Thantara's, you know, pulling, like, the lever down here, um, and then others are, you know, coming outside to figure out what's going wrong. One of the Dwarger shouts for the others, and they come in, you know, in waves, could also use the dragon's exit cause damage. Oh yeah, that could be pretty cinematically fun too. So that is gonna be the top level's journey, um, which means we need to put Thantara, who is I think I actually actually labeled as Thantara. Do we need to label? Yeah, let's label Thantara. Does she have average hit? What is an average Dwerger hit point? 26. She's actually a little lower. Since she's a named Dwerger, let's give her... Uh, let's give her above average hit points. Maybe that'll help the players in some way. I don't know. Like I said, she's not mind-controlled by them. 
17. It's not going to work. 26 is average. Good lord. Okay, 27 it is. A lot of really low Dorger hit points. Alright, so we'll give there out. Now, <laughs> the other thing is, it's concentration. So if at any time while Robin gets attacked, he has to roll the con save and then he loses his suggestion spell, then she is going to immediately, you know, be very pissed and turn around and fight, in which case the players are really going to be, Val Robin and Thimbleweed are really going to be screwed at that point. So they may have a pretty difficult journey about them. In terms of my own balancing, it's probably going to be a question of if things, if I've allowed things to go really well for them on this eastern side, then maybe I'll just throw the book at them in this left side. If they're actually struggling after to fight this Dwarger and get hurt, then maybe I'll hold back a little bit on a few people. You know, I'll definitely stagger between the hammerers and the workshop people. You know, make it so it's not um, just all at once. But they are, theirs is going to be primarily, honestly, all three of them are going to have combat events to get through, which I think will help because that'll allow me to, you know, okay, you do two rounds, and then meanwhile, here's this group. Meanwhile, um, I teased this at the end of the last session, and both Celeste and um, Bray seemed interested in checking out this prison area. I had initially thought, okay, I'm going to roll for the Hammerers and have them join this big forge battle, but honestly, I was looking at the time and thinking, you know what, this battle is pretty much um, on its last gasp. I'm going to hold them back, but I'm going to inform the players that they're there so they know that there's some hostile enemies back here. But they're they're just kind of just sitting back waiting for the players to fight them, honestly. <laughs> they're guarding the prisoners. That's what they've been instructed to do, so they will remain there. And that will be... That one is going to start out as a pure combat fight um, against these hammers, which, you know, Frey and Celeste are very powerful. Uh... But hammers are also no joke. AC of 17. I may actually remove one of them. Should I remove one of them? One for each play. I mean, a CR2, 17, armor class, 33 hit points. Granted, I mean, they could both do that much damage in a turn. It just depends on if they hit them. 17 is a bit high. Um, and they do a cool thing where they can grab you, restrain you, and then attack you with advantage on the other one with an average of 10 damage for each of these hits pretty monstrous, so I may actually I may actually remove one of these hammers, because I think two is probably going to be enough. Um, if they end up kicking ass, I can always spawn a third one somehow. One of them pops out of one of the doors. It was just napping in a prison cell or something, but I don't think so, so I think we're just going to take out we're going to take out one of these guys. Um, the Watchtower guys are not involved. They are, you know, the fighting has ended. I'm just, I'm guess I'm keeping them here for now, but. Um, or I don't have to. I guess I could remove them. There was fighting there. Um, I don't know. I can't decide if I should keep them there or not. It doesn't matter, though. They're not, none of these Dwarger are combatants anymore. The Hammerers are. So that one's going to start off as a combat fight, and then the player, um, these two PCs can specifically rescue these NPCs. What will the outcome be for them killing the hammerers? Um, probably nothing at this point, honestly. The, the hammerers... I guess I haven't thought about it. 
The Hammerers would be loyal to Zardarok. Um, they would also... I don't know, their brains would malfunction at inner civil war, I think. The Hammerers would be would know to kill and fight non-Dwerger. Maybe you could have them be like against their programming to fight Dwerger, so maybe they specifically can't be involved in the Civil War. Um the other Dwerger are It's a very tenuous relationship right now. Basically, Edmund has convinced the Dwerger that, like, hey, I use these, you know, surfacers as, you know, mercenaries, as tools to overthrow my father. Um, it's a very tenuous where, you know, if they saw these, anybody but Edmund slash Prince Dirth, you know, walking around and getting into places, then there may be some, definitely some questions being asked. But right now, it's just after the moment where this battle ended. So, um, I, I don't think it's gonna really matter. But they... Normally, they would probably take offense at anybody who's non-Dwerger doing basically fucking anything in here, but Edmund rolled a really good persuasion, or a good enough persuasion check and managed to convince everybody, at least at the moment, hey, this is, you know, they're there with me. But now that they're splitting up, you know, like I said, I don't think there's any Grandolfo loyalists on top, and even if there were, they wouldn't fucking care because they are they don't know anything about this situation, so they would turn hostile to... Robin and Thimbleweed, and then same thing with the Hammers here. So I think that would be a fight. I think I'm just going to use these two. We'll save this one in the back. Um, I can use, and then they'll they'll meet the NPCs. They'll meet Valin, who's got some good information about um, basically going into Act Two. I I think I think she has. She might have. She she knows about Valish Gaunt. That's her main information. She knows about Valish Gaunt. She knows about Nest Lantamir. She's gonna get basically tell the players here's the rest of the main plot. But I'm not gonna go full on with everything the book says because it's way too much information. It's a huge info dump. She just knows everything about where to go and what to do. Instead, it's gonna be hey, here's the beginning of the investigation that we're gonna run, which I believe is gonna start with finding Valish Gaunt's laboratory and going from there, which is a whole new map and dungeon I'm planning on creating. Um, She has a wand, I believe a wand of magic missiles, bracers of defense, and then her spell book, but because she's a prisoner here, she doesn't have any of those things on her. Yeah, wand of magic missiles, bracers of defense, and then just her spell book. She's an 8th level spellcaster, by the way. Um... However, all of those things were confiscated by the Dwerger, so she will unfortunately be basically a non-combatant the rest of this dungeon until they get the vault open, which in order to open the vault, you have to basically defeat Zardarok and get his gauntlet, which the players have not been over to the vault yet, so they really don't know about it necessarily. I should really give a come up with a way to tell them about it. Hopefully one of these prisoners or the Mind Flayer, somebody knows about it so that they don't end up getting out here without the loot, because that would not be fair. The Goliath, uh, meanwhile, will tease the entire Goliath subplot side story I have planned, which will help uh, probably rebuild Ten Towns once they have to deal with that. Also, they could just give him a fucking weapon, and he could be a absolute combatant in this fight. Literally give him any fucking weapon, and I'll drag it onto his sheet, and he's good to go. I should probably add, like, levels of exhaustion or something, so maybe he has to attack with disadvantage, um, but I'm probably not going to bother um, 
uh, tracking his hit points. So it'll just be whatever custom weapon they want to give him. He probably attacks with disadvantage, but he will be a good-to-go fighter. So that's one of those things where if the players had done more stealthy or, you know, reconnaissance approach, maybe they could have freed him earlier and gotten him as a ally, but that's not really how this party rolls. But, they, you know, presumably, depending on how fast our middle crew goes, they could gain him as an ally. Or they could just say, hey, sit tight and let's deal with it. That's something that, you know, my players are pretty good about saying, like, yeah, we like NPCs. We don't necessarily want NPC um, party members that battle with us, which is totally fine. So they could just say, okay, we've, we freed you now. Stay back here and wait for us to clear the way. <laughs> Either of those are acceptable, but those are two NPCs. I think having NPC prisoners is always one of the best ways to flush out a dungeon because that gives you you know, a, a social encounter, a chance for the, the players to be heroic, um, and a chance for a social encounter, and a chance for that prisoner to give important information to the players for different parts of the dungeon. So that's it's just a very helpful uh, tool and thing to drop in a dungeon is a, a it doesn't have to be a literal prison but just some kind of npc that's been captured that has that can be freed and either join the party as a combatant or not but just have information for the players and then we have the biggest oh shit moment you can have them not turn hostile until france must interact too much or try and free prisoners um that's true the problem is they're immediately going to try and get a free hit off as a surprise round. Um, they would absolutely try to take advantage of that. Kind of like where players see a statue, like, all right, I'm going to try to break them with a statue. Like, all right, well, that's a surprise round or roll for initiative. Yes, the Goliath will recognize... Same thing was um, with Oya Monartok, um, where basically all Goliaths will recognize that axe. And um, at first, they might be suspicious and be like, did you fucking, you know, murder a Goliath and take their axe? Or what's the story? Um, but then once, you know, she kind of reveals information hopefully um then they would be more forthcoming about it so she was uh and that interaction worked well with the werebear so hopefully it would work well here but yes that would be part of the event as well and i think i'm I'm kind of slowly turning that into phrase um whole thing uh in terms of her character arc because the whole cannibal thing isn't you know it's kind of cutesy the way she's doing it as like little finger snacks and all that but it hasn't really turned into a big, like, character quest necessarily, so I'm kind of transforming, uh, because I don't have a Goliath PC, which is a bummer, I was kind of hoping to get one, but um, it's it's kind of fun that she would, w- using this runic axe, could end up being the through line for a lot of the Goliath stuff, and making that more about her uh, character development in general, so that's where I plan on going with that. So the craziest one is, of course, Edmund taking um, three... Uh, Dwerger, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and start these folks around. You here, you guys here, here we go. Keep you guys there. Ignore this bag of Goliath fingers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't identify the fingers, it's just any kind of fingers is bad. Also, this is a weird bit right here. I don't think the players have seen this, or have they? This is weird. This isn't explained either, but there's the middle part I get. There's there's Dwerger. It's supposed to be like a trapped hallway, but instead of a trap, it's literally just Dwerger on the other side of these arrow slits, like shooting you with arrows, which seems um I don't know, man, just like set up some arrow traps or something. <laughs> Why have an actual Dwerger in there? It seems goofy to me. And then there's like holes coming out of all the sides. So there's I guess there's these kill holes. So they could still attack around them. 
Um, the problem is I don't want to have to restart combat here, even though the Dwerger and then the players can see in, so there's just some awkward bits. So I may actually just, I may actually just close this off. Which one is the 15? I, I may have forgotten part of those rules is the problem. Uh, let's see. Let's just let's just close that off. That makes it easier. We're gonna close this one off. And then we don't have to ask any questions. And then it's more of a surprise when they actually get here. And notice how so my initial plan was just to close, I don't know what I was doing with my initial plan. My initial plan was to close all of this off because I don't need to use any part of this map. This dungeon's reached its climax, definitely. Um, and have it be like, okay, maybe they just trapped the Goliath, or the Goliath, the Umber Hulk in here, and then we can have my Rancor moment where Zardarok runs in here and releases the Umber Hulk. With just Edmund coming here with a bunch of Dwerger, I'm pretty sure we're just going to skip the entire fucking Umber Hulk thing. It's just... It's just way too much, and I don't want them to have to deal with it. Um, they're going to have plenty to deal with from here on out. So I think we're officially going to take that out. So this room is going to be currently empty. And sometimes I just close all of this off with dynamic lighting just because I don't need the players like wandering around it. Basically, you know, the bummer is I wish this door basically just entered into the throne room. That would have made more sense. Um, I could do that. I could just put walls down and have it look kind of weird, but it's big open space, I guess. Um, I guess I can... Because right now the dynamic lighting is not covering these, so let's see, what does the fuck does it look like? Well, it just looks like that, where you can see these giant places, but this is supposed to be gates, basically, that I put up. Um, as being like, hey, this is all underdark stuff over here. Might look better if I just close this off, though, because this looks too enticing over here. I'm just kind of editing this map to make it a little bit more manageable at this point, because I don't need this much map. I can leave the Underdark things, it's kind of fun. There's like a gate to the Underdark. Cannibal Secret, I think you need to spend 15 minutes devouring a fresh corpse to get the benefit. Oh, to do the actual like short rest thing? Yeah, I probably, I think it's been so long since we did it, I think I just forgot about it. The best way to get away with something is when it's been so long the DM has completely forgotten how his own things work. <laughs> All right, so that way, that at least looks closed off. And now it's a little bit more manageable. So he steps into the room. It's dark in here, I believe. But I basically eliminate all the things that are happening in here, which is the Dwerger leading the Umber Hulks. That's just, as much as I think it's cool, it's too much. Um, It's not gonna be locked, so I'm getting rid of that. So wait, what is it? It's not X-23 then. What is this place? X-16? 
Northwest Cavern. The cavern is unlit and has a jagged 30-foot high ceiling. But wide miles long tunnel connects the large fortress to the underneath. Okay. So that's it, just kind of an empty room. Boring stuff beyond this point, yeah. Warning, under dark, vast adventures and riches. Please don't go here. <laughs> it's very under construction by the DM. <laughs> I literally did that one time when we were running. Lost Mine of Fandel, or shout out to anybody who's watched our very first D&D campaign. I was just not prepared for the party to make it to the boss room in like the first session of that the final dungeon. I was like, nope, this area, you just can't go in. I'm not ready. <laughs> I don't think I've had to pull that card since, but it's been close. All right. The other thing we have to decide, so it's going to be an empty room. I'm going to go in there and notice that uh, maybe this door will be slightly ajar, and then I'll back the here. Zardarok has... What has happened to Zardarok? I mean, he could have just been stayed invisible this whole time and limped in here. The problem is, this room, there's a lot going on in this room for just Edmund to deal with it. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot for just Edmund. Um, I need to be very careful about setting up this room. As written, there's a captured Mykonid Sovereign Named Pluroda. Pluroda? Um, a a Quagath Thonaut named Krob, who's harvesting Pluroda. I was going to say Pluto. Pluroda's animating spores and turning dead Quagaths into spore servants. There are four spore servants around them, which, as far as I'm aware, are literally just as powerful as a regular Quaggoth, although I, I could now bitch about how bad Quaggoths are because I couldn't fucking hit the broadside of a barn when I was using them earlier. Oh shit, I didn't realize they could only... I guess that's a sports servant. They're slower. They're only 20 feet. Still get their climb speed, though. They basically still do everything. They have just no intelligence. They gain some immunities. They have blind sight 30 feet. That's interesting. They're actually blind beyond 30 feet. Okay. And there's four, oh yeah, X-18 has four dwarves, which are these guys. So the problem is you'd be going in here, you'd be shot to hell uh, by these dwergers. This is already a death trap waiting to happen. Now, and, uh, Thorman, I believe is the name. Um, which, by the way, I need to actually give Thorman, like, some better stats. Now, the Dwerger NPCs would know about Zardarok's throne room. Um, so they would be able to give Edmund a heads up and say, hey, uh, there's a hallway up ahead to guard the throne room. There's going to be Zardarok loyalists in there. Um, how do you want to handle that? And I'll just leave it up to to Raymond to figure it out. <laughs> I don't know what... Uh, gotta be running out of spells, right? Yeah, he's got one fucking spell slot left. Probably saving it for a disguised self. I don't know how he wants to deal with that. I mean, he's probably gonna try to do a social check if he can. Um, so that... And maybe that'll stop... Maybe he'll just say, well, fuck it, I'll just come back and wait for the 
you know, ladies to be done with their fight and wait. So that it's an option too. And yes, that is a choice he made. Uh, Stan, he did decide to go. He's technically not alone. He's not, he's not alone. Uh, he does have the Dwergar with him. A few of them. The problem is, Zardarok's got four Dwergar loyalists. Um, I have to figure out what Zardarok has done in the few seconds since he's escaped. So we probably... What's interesting is if Edmund can make it in here and even survive this fight or make it past this fight, he could come across a social scene between Zardarok and Nildar because I think it'd be pretty cool if uh, maybe Nildar is also seeing an opportunity to uh, defeat his father, seeing as his father in a weakened state. Or maybe it would be a chance for him to um, elevate himself, um, you know, in front of his father to say, you know, yes, I will defeat these for you. Um, especially because he's, you know, Prince Durth, and I, it just depends on what the relationship with the sons was before. I imagine it was pretty competitive. So if if uh, Durth is, um, you know, leading the uprising, then maybe Nildar would want to support Zardarok and then prove himself, and that could be another uh, fight. Or maybe Edmund would try to turn Nildar against the follower, which could also be interesting. The problem is you've got all these other units here on the fucking battlefield, um, which I probably need to reduce if it's literally still going to be just Edmund and a few Dwerger. I can very easily just not activate this room, which seems pretty obvious. And I'm thinking also we maybe remove some of these Spore Servants, even though... And Quagus do kind of suck, but there's always a chance that they will just perform very nicely. This guy, I've got him big because this one in particular, Krob, and I also give him max hit points because he's got a name, is absolutely loyal to... Um, Is he loyal to Zardarok or is he loyal to Nildar? Because Nildar is the one that's kind of been in charge of the whole Mykonid thing. So again, I, maybe Nildar could make a play and be like, you know what, now it's time for Nildar's crew. And I think Edmund got a lot of fun messing with that. Um, but the Thawnaught can actually cast Enlarge Reduce. So what I did is say that maybe he enlarged himself in order to tear off the arm of the Mykonid, which is something that did happen apparently. I believe there's a picture of this happening. Called Negotiations right there. I got to ripping off a Mykonid arm. <laughs> That's kind of when I do the scene. I mean, you've got the artwork for it. That's awesome. Of course, I did not have my cool Zardarok moment there. I, I forgot to enlarge. Like, I just didn't random very well, I admit. <laughs> That's okay. We've got other things going on. Um, and yeah, this Quagath, it basically is a Quagath with um, a shit ton of hit points and spells. I think enlarge, reduce. Is that concentration, though? It is concentration, so I don't think he'd be casting any... Ooh, Mirror Image, that would be fucking incredible. If his first turn he cast Mirror Image, you've got this enlarged Quagath that you can't fucking hit. And now all of a sudden he's doing more damage with his claws. Two only has 20 HP, where's number two? Number two... Which which number two? Sorry, what are we talking about? Number two, Quagath has 50 hit points. Any other number twos? 
I do need to start naming these guys though, don't I? Oh, you mean um that's Zardarok. Zardarok there. Wait, why does Zardarok have a two? I don't mean to have him have anything, sorry. Yeah, Zardarok is down to 20 fucking hit points by the by. Sorry, I didn't mean to give him a two. Um, yeah, he's in trouble. <laughs> Which, that's the interesting thing. If Nildar, you know, would he try and support his father? Or would he just say that, oh yeah, this dude's almost dead. We should just take him out. Um, and then you get that cool scene about maybe, you know, none of the players get to defeat Zardarok. Instead, it's Nildar. And then Nildar becomes the big bad. Because, uh... You know, and he gets on the throne and maybe picks up the crown and does all these cool little cinematic moments. Is that more interesting? Maybe. Um, Nildar still only has like 35 hit points, so probably not going to last too long. Although I could give him more hit points. Support my bid for the throne, I'll help you. Yeah, exactly. What's, what's the maximum hit points a Dwerger can have? 36? Not very much. In fact, he's, he's pretty much got max, doesn't he? A lot of this depends on the social checks that Edmund does. Um, first, he has to get through this little gauntlet of dudes in here, which could provide a hard stop or just a way for him to, you know, hey, Dorger, you go in there and take care of him and I'll rush through forward. And the thing is, when Edmund opens the door and sees this room unfold, you have to think fast. Now, maybe the Dorger could impart the information that says... Um, I'm going to give them one, two, and three to make it easier also. One, two, Edmund named them all. We should give Thorman a little bit of an upgrade, though. In fact, he's only got 16 hit points. So we're going to give him 30 hit points. And, I don't know, he's got like a plus one or something on his on his war pick. Can I get a, can I get a war pick plus one, please? Got that shard. He's got the shardolin, basically more pick. I do an enlarged. I think said it was going to poison enemies. I'm trying to think. What was the last guy that had that? Was it a thug stat block that I used with the Caradenoval guys? Obviously, I did not expect Raymond or Edmund to uh, enchant this NPC with shardolin. That was so cool. That social text probably will kill Edmund. <laughs> In the end, probably. There we go. I'm looking for. In fact, I didn't actually give the Mesa plus one, but playing fast and loose with the rules now. On hit, the target must succeed a DC 13 con saving throw. Be poisoned till the end of its next turn. The target's going to spell a disadvantage. On a crit, target only fails con save. On a miss, make a DC 10 crit saving throw or suffer a form of short term menace till the end of your next turn. I'm probably just going to get rid of that because I don't want to have to be rolling saves for menace on my NPCs too often. War pick plus one. And maybe I'll just remember if he's enlarged, it does. What does it do? Another weapon die? I guess, can we, we can't copy it very easily, can we? Another war pick plus one. Or 
Thorman, he's got the upgrade. Enlarged. Two plus one. Also not right. You should have more than a plus two to hit. You should have a plus four to hit. So we should have a plus two to damage. It doesn't really work if you drag the thing on there, does it? I guess I could always. The bad thing is to give him the NPC character sheet for him to run. I'd have to just give him the Dwarger sheet, which I guess I could. To get legit inspiration too. I'm always throwing inspiration at him. Man, I think every session he's been getting inspiration thrown at him. Oh, you mean you mean uh <laughs> Thorman to get inspiration. That's funny. He literally has inspiration. Yeah, to get you able to re-roll. <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated to see where Edmund goes with this. Like he had to I I don't know if he's expecting just waltz in and just see Zardarok in a in a throne room and, and take him on. He obviously they have no idea what's going on here with the whole mic and it is with Nildar. They haven't seen Nildar yet, so that's a funny way to tease, like, oh yeah, here's where that other son is. Um these Dwarger could mention the fact that, hey, we've got some Grandolfa loyalists um on the other side of the throne room. If we can you know, if shit goes down in there, then these two will zoom scroll down so you can see them. Uh these two down here will join the fight. Which um, could help the players a little bit, but it's still real bad for Edmund being alone, though. I mean, he's got to have some kind of social check to get rid of some part of this fight. And even then, I'm tempted to take out... You know, at the very least, why don't we remove... I guess we can just keep some of these guys in the wings. Let's remove two of the Spore Servants. Because the the Mikan is not a combatant, um, un unless can it speak under comment? No, it uses the teleporting or the the rapport spores, doesn't it? it? Like has to release spores, and then you get fucking high on the spores, and you can talk to each other in your mind. Uh, where's going around corner? Yeah, communicate telepathically with one another while they're within thirty feet of each other. The effect lasts for one hour. So I can just have that thing release those spores pretty early in, and then it will tell up in it somehow that will telepathically reach out to um, Edmund to another interesting thing, which is, hey, are you here to are you here to save us? I think the Mykonid refer to itself as it use pronouns. Would it use first person or third person? Would it have a sense of self? Plants are weird. Don't know how Mykonids operate. Mykonids are intelligent, ambulatory fungi that live in the Underdark. Seek enlightenment and deplore violence. Oh, 
approached peacefully, Mykonids gladly provide shelter, allow safe passage to their colonies. Though it actually doesn't want to fight. But it could release... And yet it turns people into zombies. Little sus, Mykonid. I don't want to fight, but I will motherfucking zombify your dead friends. <laughs> that's that's weird. Yeah, it can pacify, it can stun within five feet, or it can eject hallucinating spores. Both of them are just one target. So that's something I would allow it to do if Edmund did any kind of social check. Fungi are not playing. Oh, I'm sorry. We found we found the fungi enthusiast. <laughs> Fungi are not plants. Hey, I I played Last of Us. I don't I don't fuck around with fungus zombies. Shit's scary. Um, so it will release these rapport spores, and then Edmund can communicate. But I, I think I'm gonna only if it, you know, I can always add like you said. If Edmund backs off, I can always add more um, creatures. But if it's just him. We're definitely taking out those two spore servants. So right now we've got Nildar is there basically overseeing this happening. He's got his spore jars and he's in charge of the whole spore servant thing. This Quaggath Thawnaught is going to be a nasty combatant, although it's still just a Quaggath, it's just big. And then the spore servants and the Myconid, and then I guess we're going to de-invisibilize... Zardarok is he is basically making a play to Nildar saying, You need to help me. Um, I could enlarge him, I guess. Visibility, let's see, wears off. He gets enlarged and he says, We need to fight. And maybe I I don't know. What would what would be the better social scene, you think? I'm I'll ask all of you before we wrap things up here. Is it more interesting that Nildar immediately supports Zardarok's war effort, and thus basically this whole room is initially hostile to Edmund, although Edmund could obviously, you know, through as Prince Durth, make some interesting social checks? Um, or is it more interesting to have him come across and have maybe Zardarok and, and Nildar at least arguing at first, and then that probably gives... Edmund a chance to convince, you know, Nildar, hey, we should, you know, you're my brother, we should join forces against Zardarok, now's our chance to overthrow him. In which case, Nildar would probably, you know, assuming a successful persuasion check there, Nildar would probably agree, especially seeing as how Zardarok is so injured, and I could either just cutscene Nildar killing him, or... If that's interesting, or run it as a as a legit combat fight, but then Nildar would then maybe turn on Prince Durth and say like, "Hey, the future is, you know, the Spore servants, the Quagas and the Spore servants. Um, you need to bow to me now." And then there could be another interesting like play by play there, and that could end up, you know, blowing up in Edmund's face. So it's it's. It's nervous because you don't know how Edmund's going to... I never know. He's, he's the most difficult player to anticipate. Um, yeah, yeah, Kylo and Ray. 
Snow, Kylo, and Ray, and Ray uh, situation. Exactly. Um, shout out to The Last Jedi. So, I think that's what we're going to do. I think he's going to come across the arguing, and I assume Edmund is going to step in and probably make a play for Nildar support. Assuming that's a successful check, which I don't think would be a very hard one. Nildar would agree. I could either just have Nildar do a cinematic, you know, okay, I'm going to kill him because he's really weak. Or um, maybe there's some, maybe Nildar can, like, cast, a th- you know, do a surprise round and do, like, his stunning spore on Zardarok. And then Edmund can come through and do a cool, um, you know, coup de gras or something. But then it gets tricky because then Nildar would probably try to maybe supplant Dearth and says, only one of us can rule and you're too much of a threat. But now that Zardarok's gone, I can be king and you're going down. And basically he would make a play and then it would be like a contested persuasion check to see who can rule the Dwerger. Um, and then, yeah, Edmund's going to be in dire straits by then. But again, hopefully we've gone back and forth to the other teams and the goal... If, if I can time it perfectly, it would be for everybody else to be at least hurrying, if not, you know, there in the throne room to be able to to at least be witness to this um, a climax. Uh, the topside crew is going to be the trickiest because they're just physically the furthest away, although they could just jump in that west. Ooh, they could just jump in that western elevator. They don't know that that elevator is right there next to the fucking throne room. That would be fascinating. Yeah, that's, yeah, Valravin could hear it. Um... Obviously, the ladies just, they have the shortest route to go, so they can just go fight those hammerers, listen to the NPCs, and then rush over uh, to the throne room, you know, grab them. So I'm I'm hoping to kind of stall with Edmund and go back and forth, and by the time we reach, you know, this this area of X-19 in the throne room, we've got at least some, if not all, of the party back together for an actual... Um, final showdown, you know, maybe they've already, he's already um, taken out Zardarok, because at this point Zardarok's kind of, you know, he's done. And maybe the boss fight becomes Nildar and the Spore Servants, and if that's the case, then I will add, and we haven't seen the room yet, or maybe we have, and I'm still timing it, maybe I'll add more of these Spore Servants in there to create more of a, you know, dynamic fight. Uh, and and this will be basically a finale battle part two, which is, I was thinking when we first after this dungeon, this was going to be finale battle part one. We're going to take out Nildar, take out the Quagus and all that, and then do the big forge fight. Have him retreat to the throne, uh, to the temple room, all that. But now, uh, I'm thinking that the forge battle was really part one, and then the finale is going to be here, with the caveat that the other players are going to be splitting up, doing their own things, getting their own wacky shenanigans. I'm I'm excited and equally terrified. It's It's, it's going to be... It's going to be crazy, and it's it's going to be... They do need to rest badly, I know. <laughs> I'm so awful. I've been, They've literally done, I think, all of Corkaloke and the Cave of the Berserkers, and now Sunblight, having only gotten a partial long rest um, where I did not refill their hit points. They were only able to recharge their long rest abilities, so they have been... Yeah, it's been a war of a trip, which I think that that's honestly how you make D&D... Um, balanced is by dragging players on like that this is a bit of an extreme example um but like when you're it's extreme because when they literally say like well there's no point short resting because we don't have hit points that's when it gets a little bad because they're like all right well yeah you guys do need a rest but 
I think that's when it gets exciting is when players start having to think, oh shit, we don't have many resources left. You know, we've got this many damage hit points. We have to like reevaluate these fights and think a little more tactically than we would normally when we can just throw all of our things down and away we go. So it, it's a tricky line to walk for sure. You don't want to have, but the other, the other thing is you don't want to have too many sessions of your players being on that edge, right? I think you want to be able to get to that edge for maybe a cool finale area or something and, and reward players who have been hanging on to their abilities a little bit, but you don't want to keep them at that, you know, oh, I'm just exhausted. I need a rest for like too many sessions. So if, if we go really efficiently and we manage to do all these multiple fights we could almost end Sunblight with this week's session. The only bummer is what's probably going to happen is we're going to end, if we do end it, we'll be after the throne room. And then we still have to do like the looting of the vaults and a bit of like epilogue, I guess, which I'm tempted to honestly do that as a monta, not even have the players like walk into this vault room and deal with the hammers and all that, because it just feels like um, it's all just falling action by then. So I'm almost tempted to you know if, if we do end things like that i'm i'd tempt to say okay here's what happens now that you guys have basically won sunblight you know at some point you grab the gauntlet you go over to the vault you're they explain to you the vault you gather your npc you know just kind of montage all that because at that point we've basically exhausted it but maybe we won't get nearly that far and we just get to the beginning of the throne room battle um this week which could definitely happen depending on how long we take doing other things and all these social checks and stuff and then maybe sunblight takes another session that could definitely happen but I don't think it'll be longer than that. And then we can start talking about what we're going to do for the dragon. And if I still want to tease it ascendant as the players go north, something we need to talk about. Um, and if the players even take the bait or if they say, no, we need to concentrate on just going for the dragon. And then at least I've given them the descendant quest and now it's up to them to decide uh, if they want to go for it or not. All right. I think that is going to do it for this week's crafting ice wind dale you do enjoy the streams and content uh please check out patreon.com slash rogue watson shout to platinum patrons joe will tie dancer christopher thomas adam stan nathan alex william i'm loud al Furcon, kyle and scalenia and gold patrons RPG Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lounge, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Blood Angel, Brunus, Baboon, Baboon, Nathan, Fasica, Tortoise, James, and Genocider. Thank you all very much for your support. Uh, we have a DM roundtable tomorrow night, patrons. I'll see you for that. For everyone else, I'll return with another crafting stream on Thursday. Have a good one.